Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Untucked. Today we're going to talk about empathy and the importance in um, an empathetic communication style with our clients in um, in some of the more difficult conversations that we're forced to have. We're also going to talk about sleep and sleep patterns and different sleep habits. And we will wrap up with our top five TV dads. Enjoy. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own, and they do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Episode 82 of Untucked. This is Megan. And Mike. This is Jeff. Did you guys know that in 1582, France switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar? So what that meant was, like in the Julian calendar, the new year began around April 1st, but the Gregorian calendar began around January 1st. So all of the people that like just never got around to figuring it out and like continue to celebrate like the new year on April 1st, they called them April Fools. Nice. I like how you tied that in at the end. Yeah. I wasn't sure where you were going. You, with you, that. Really? Yeah. Thought yeah. I was that giveaway. No. No, not at all. Can you imagine like if the world said New Year's is now June 1st and there were still morons like celebrating it on January 1st? I can imagine that happening. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely would. Would you, would, you, would you just stick to the old calendar and celebrate New Year's on the 1st of January? Well, I mean, you, you said the world told everyone. Who, who's the world in this yeah, case? Whoever runs the calendar the, business. The, yeah. Yeah. I'd probably just stick to the 1-1. One, one. So New York is Manhattan dropping the ball on June 1. <laughs> That's a bad example. Yeah. I don't care at all about that. The Dick Van, no, it's not Dick Van Dyke. What was it? Uh, Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, but it was the New Year's Rockin' Eve with Dick Clark. Oh, Dick Clark. Like that's yeah. all held on on what is it? May thirty first. Thirty days have September, April, June. Yeah. And and you just ignore that. Sure. Okay. I kind of ignore it now. You guys are both <laughs> being difficult. <laughs> okay. Can we just start where we don't want to start? Let's do it, baby. Okay. Opening day, baby. I almost, when I realized it, I was like, we shouldn't record today. Like, we should maybe. Ah, uh, it's fantastic. Um, I did check, and the game is not till later. So thank God. Yeah. 405. Yeah, you, you would have been getting updates mid pop. Yeah. When's yeah. the home opener? Um, they have two series and then their home opener. Oh so God. it's it's in like a week and a half, maybe like the 10th or 11th of April, I think. You guys excited? Baseball's back? Not, I can't believe it's already back. Not in the least. March. They never started in March before, did they? I don't know. That's a good fun fact to figure out, though. <laughs> but like I texted you before, what a joke of a sport this is. Ghost Runners, right? Um, I'm not familiar with the Ghost Runners. Isn't that, the, you know, in extra innings, they put a, a guy on second know. base automatically? Like the yeah. same thing as a Ghost Runner when yeah. you were a kid? Ghost Runners where there was no person on the he, base. Here's, here's, here's baseball, Jeff. They, the powers that be, have slowly realized what an idiotic game it is, right? And so now they're trying to make all these adjustments to retain 
viewership and fans um, because of, of all the dumb things about baseball to begin with. I couldn't disagree with you. <laughs> they put a man on second when you go into extra innings is completely analogous to the NHL going, wow, this is really stupid that we have overtime, just normal overtime. Let's make it three on three. I'm not a fan of uh, – three on three is awesome. I'm it's not great. a fan of the shootout. What's next, Jeff? Home run derby after the 12th inning? That's where we're going here. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> I think it's a fantastic idea. You should pitch it to the MLB. <laughs> I don't have to. It's coming. Yeah. Bigger bases, pitch clock. I love it. I think they should go, like I said to you, I think they should go to 221 game seasons. Move it up from 100. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just desperation at this point. The games obviously are too long. The pitchers walk around for the, you know the pitch clock is. I think everybody's a a fan of that. I guess maybe not the baseball purists, but no, I think the baseball purists are. I don't know that for a fact, but back in the day, <laughs> like back in the day, the pitchers pitched quickly. They didn't take forever to throw a pitch. Yeah. Because I guess they only get 30 of them now, and they got to make the most of every you know minute so on the mound. I thought this was Philly sports. What are we doing? You, this is just you guys bitching about baseball. Don't I haven't said a I'm single just, thing. I'm just trying to divert the conversation away from opening day. <laughs> well, let's talk Phillies. What's there to say? to say? What's there to say? They're 0-0 right now. They're undefeated, <laughs> Jeff. Chris Hoskins is out for the season, torn ACL in spring training. Out for the season, definitely. He tore his ACL. So yes, that's he's done. six months. The season's like ten. It's it's not a six month turnaround. ACL tear. What are you talking about? No, that's for like exceptional athletes, not for baseball <laughs> not for <players>. baseball. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think? How do you feel about the Phils this year? They they make it to the playoffs? Do they go back to the World Series? Like every, I'll tune in in September or October. I guess it would be right. I think our listeners would prefer if we just don't talk about the Philadelphia Phillies. We've if you guys tried. Gonna, if you guys are going to behave like this. We've tried. I got the Phillies winning the World Series. We know, which yeah. is the craziest prediction you could possibly well, make. I don't think it's crazy. Um, okay. Uh, is there anything on the Flyers? No, just, they just mer- mercifully eight or nine games left. Um, okay, so the season's coming to an end. It sure is. Um, What's our pick look like if we lose every game outright? Best case, probably fifth overall. Best case. So they didn't even stink well enough. They didn't. They couldn't even do that well. Right. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I don't look into. So the fact that you know that is helpful. Man, that's terrible. (laughs) No, he's no. That does. They're going to get a good player unless they completely miss, which they've done. But chances are they're going to get a good player. Okay. Just not a. Not a generational, generational talent. talent. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. you don't think Bedard is. I think he could be. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming around. Yeah. Yeah. Meg, you were down at the Sixers last night. How are you feeling? I was. Um, you know, if you asked me like five games ago, I probably would have had a different response than now. The three-game slide recently wasn't great. And then they're dealing with some lagging injuries with Joe and – now James Harden's talking about his Achilles. So I know that that's like very typical for this point in the season with most teams. I mean, it's a long season. Guys play a lot of minutes. People are hurt. So I, I know that that's a reality. But when it's your two best players, it's 
it, it's hard to be like super optimistic. <laughs> so, do you think they make it past the second round? I like their like the way that they match up with the best teams in the conference, Boston and Milwaukee specifically. Like, I will, I'll take the Sixers. So they win the East. Like, I mean, I, they have the ability to do so. What worries me is like the first round. You know what I mean? Like the the first round against the Nets going seven games when it shouldn't. That's what that's what I wouldn't put past them. Are they going to play the Nets in the first round? If the series, if the season ended today, yeah, they're three. Then that's Ben Simmons and the, the Ben's out for the year. He's not playing. He's done. He's been deactivated. Yeah. And Kyrie's gone, and um, Durant's gone. Correct. Who, who do the Nets have left? Mikel Bridges. I mean, they got. You're worried Mikhail. about round one against the Nets. I'm worried that it'll go longer than it should, and then that keeps them from time off in between series which is so critical they're going to destroy stage. them in uh, like dude, straight I'm, sets I'm, i hope so straight sets i i would love to see a sweep that taking would be the awesome. sixers outright every game <laughs> what is it best of five or best of seven seven uh, yeah four in a row outright 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 i love it we'll see all right we got nothing on the birds so we can no nah. we can shut it down get right into coach's corner so recently we were having a discussion about the communication style and our, our um, the way we engage with our clients. And what we wanted to talk about today is um, maybe as practitioners being a bit more empathetic to people who don't live in our world every day and who maybe don't have the same awareness, the same level of expertise, of course. Um, but as people present concerns or worries about the world, about particular events, that maybe we need to do a better job or just more of a conscious, I'll say, job of how we communicate to them. Is that fair? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, starting with maybe the, the Silicon Valley yeah. banking uh, issue and some of the other banks <clears throat> and the, the headlines over the past few weeks with that, you know, you get a lot of people that hear about it, maybe don't understand how it happened and what's going on, what the fallout will be, and there's a lot of concern, um, bank failures, is my money safe? You know, all those sorts of things. And then, um, you know, an article in the journal that's talking about, say, Charles Schwab's financial condition and some of the potential, you know, issues inside that company. Um, you know, and I think, I guess, I guess I'm, I think about it in the sense that um, our standard MO has always just been, hey, listen, there's always a headline series of headlines it could be political economic you know whatever um that is new and scary and might make people think that you know that this is we're heading into like the worst of times let's say and and we're always like okay this is you know always the case where you know you can just go back through any year or series of years and point to the same kinds of emotions and feelings that that are scary um and and i guess i brought up the the concept of you know maybe we're a little too we can be at times a little too kind of like trotting out the same party line which is just hey the long term you know things are things are growing markets go up over the long term you have to accept the volatility as as it comes you don't know uh, no way to predict blah 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 all that and you we've prepared for Downtimes. We're in a 15-ish month bear market, which um, 
and I would say, I guess, might be starting to feel to a lot of people like it's a little longer than they're getting comfortable, that they're, they're comfortable enduring and wondering if that's if we're just at the beginning of it. And who knows? Maybe we are. Maybe we are. And I just think that sometimes maybe there's a, um, you know, we talk to clients all day, all week and give the same message. And from their perspective, um, there just might be a different tack to take at times to sort of acknowledge that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is this it to me. I always I, I like to say, yeah, it's different. Every single time is different. The circumstances that are going on in the world right now are absolutely different. They never happened before, specifically this way. So, like you acknowledge that, um, but so long as, and we talk about being optimistic as advisors and only wanting to work with really, frankly, optimistic clients, because if somebody's a doomer, <laughs> like we talked about, I guess, <laughs> last time, it becomes untenable and, and, and very, very... Uh, exhausting to work with and over time that's probably not going to be a long relationship if, if they do not let go of that mindset I would say um, but having said that you, you gotta you gotta tread the line of it's it's okay to be concerned it's okay to be worried and fearful and ask questions and look for assurances and that's I think we talked about at the end of the day yeah. what we're one of our main jobs is is just to be just to reassure and listen and acknowledge um, and not brush aside the fear and the concern and not be like, hey, what are you worried about? Over 10 years from now, it's going to, you know, that kind of thing. And because in the day, in the moment, in the, um, in the week to week, it's stressful. It could be very stressful for people when they see their, um, you know, their accounts worth less than they were even a year and a half ago. So what do you got, Jeff? I think it's important to distinguish between when you say this time is different because I don't <clears throat> I don't really subscribe to that language. I agree that this time is different, meaning um, a bank failure versus a pandemic versus whatever other apocalypse has caused the market to go down. Right. Mortgage failures and all that crap. Again, like, the cause of the economic downturn is going to be different. But that doesn't mean the result's going to be different. And when I think people say this time is different, they mean, I believe the client means, the investor means, this time is different, so it's going to lead to, to a different result, a worse result, like this may never come back. And I don't subscribe to that. I do subscribe to what's causing it is different, but it's not going to lead to a different result. And I think it's just a matter of yeah, we have to be empathetic with people when they come in and they're, um, I can think of a client um, in 2020, this time is different. We have Trump trying to get reelected. We have the pandemic. We have and just rattled off four things and worried and concerned. And we have to say to that person, I know, man, it is scary. I guess is really scary. But what we have to try to do as humans and investors and financial planners is go, all right, but are we exposed to anything? Are we over-concentrated somewhere, which if things do go and, and play out the way that you think they're gonna play out and the world's gonna go come to an end or mortgages are gonna, you know, banks are gonna fail, are you gonna lose all of your money? Most likely, no, that's not gonna be the case. Most likely the banking industry will, will, will work itself out. Most likely the market will work itself out. Most likely companies 
will still continue to learn how to earn profits. So yes, over, and I know you don't want to hear this, Mike, but over the next five, 10, 15, 20 years, you will recover. You will be better off. The world will figure it out. We just have to make sure we have a plan to get through the really scary time that we're in now. And we just have to do that better. We have to be very empathetic when we do that because we might have 15 conversations a day saying the same thing to 15 different people, but it's the first time that person heard it. And we have to sound and really genuinely feel that empathy for them. I I agree. I, I mean, I think maybe I'm somewhere in the middle because like, I think sometimes it's just hearing them. Sometimes it's just agreeing with them. If you feel the same, you know, concern or the same level of anxiety or the same, you know, worry, sometimes that's just it. It's not, but it's not, and it's just, yes. And we can sit in this. We can agree that we've done all the planning we can. We can agree that there's a lot of this that is way beyond any of our individual control. But sometimes it's just like, Sometimes when people want to complain or vent or, or, or express concern, they just want somebody to be like, yeah, I agree yeah. or I hear you. And I, I think and I, I shouldn't speak for everyone. I know I am very quick to want to fix it or offer a solution or say, but look this or see that or here's a chart for that. And, and sometimes that's being dismissive of their feelings because even though I – I'm hearing them. I don't know exactly how they're feeling. I mean, nobody articulates their feelings precisely. So I think there's, there's after 15 months of having these conversations and, you know, after dealing with different variables with different clients in different situations, like sometimes just sitting in it and like reminding yourself, reminding that person that we're, we're here together and, you know, we might not have everything figured out, but like, Today, this is what we're going to talk through, or this is what we're going to try to like make ourselves feel a little bit better about. And it, it might not be a solution, and they might not leave feeling like great. But if they feel, you know, a little bit better, I feel like sometimes that's that's enough. I'm just worried that, and I like your approach where it's like I hear you, I feel you. I mean, it's scary. I'm scared as well. Um, and just hearing them out, agreeing with them. All right, we're going to use our cash that we set aside for the next year. And my fear is that they walk out of here and they say, and I'm not saying you're a bad advisor for it because I think sure. you're a good advisor for it. And their friend says, well, what did she recommend that you do? Oh, well, she didn't recommend I do anything. In fact, yeah, now that you, now that you mention it, Sally, Megan didn't even offer anything that we should do. Well, you should be doing something. When you know, and the reason right. why you didn't offer anything right. is because she shouldn't do anything. Right. But people perceive the advisors that aren't making a recommendation as not smart, as not listening to them. Whereas the opposite advisor who goes, all right, so you're right, Sally, I hear you. This is what we're going to do. We're going to sit in cash for the next six months. I'm going to check my volatility charts and I'm going <laughs> to dollar cost average back in. Like that person's a total freaking moron. Yeah. But they sound like geniuses to the masses because it sounds super smart. Yeah. And you sound like an idiot because you're doing the right thing. And that's what, that's what bothers me about it. And that maybe has nothing to do with the empathy part of it. Doing the right thing is hard. Yeah. Giving the right advice is hard across, across the map, no matter what the advice is, right? Your friend says, how's my hair look? And it looks terrible. 
the right advice is your hair looks terrible, man. You should wear a hat for the next like four months until it grows back. <laughs> but but I, give think, it, it's, I think it's yeah, tough. I think you're saying something like, I think giving the right answer is so important and honest. And the right answer when somebody says, hey, they walk in and they'll say like, I really think we're, we're going to see a massive correction in the next six months. What do you think? Right. The right answer is not, yeah, I agree with you, Bill. Right. Things are, you know, let's, let's tick off the factors that are going to cause this. The right answer is I have no idea. Right. And neither does anyone else. You have an opinion, which is great. I don't share your opinion because I don't have an opinion, right? I have, we have, again, we have a plan to deal with whatever happens and having an opinion might be fun to talk about at the barbecue, but it doesn't apply, doesn't and shouldn't apply to what you do in, in, on a day-to-day basis. But aren't you supposed to be empathetic there? I hear you, Bill. Like, why do you think we're going to experience a big correction in the next 10 months? He ticks off all of his factors. Okay. Yeah. Those are really scary things, man. What do you think we should do about that, Bill? And if Bill says, I think we should go to cash, that's when we have to, I guess, stop being empathetic or right. try to be empathetic and say, well, how about we try this other solution? I don't or we think do nothing. Empathy is not, is not an excuse to be a doormat. It's not an excuse to take, take orders from people who have hired us to do a service or to provide a job, like to do a job for them. So I don't want to, I don't think we need, we shouldn't mistake empathy for improper action. I'm simply saying that, like, if someone expresses feelings, we can't dismiss those feelings by saying, oh, here's, here is the solution. Sometimes just letting them feel and articulate those feelings is what people need. If we're getting to the point where action is on the table, well, then, yes, we absolutely have to do our jobs. That's why we're in the role that we're in. But I interpreted our conversation as more just instead of always jumping to the we know things will get better because that's all we know. It's like, it's shitty right now. And we're allowed to agree that it's shitty. And if it's shitty for you, Sally, for different reasons than you, Jeff, than you, Mike, than me, Megan, like, okay. I, I guess I, I don't feel like that necessarily means we then have to follow suit with exactly what they think should be done right. or what their buddy thinks should be done. It's not an excuse for us not to do our jobs. It's simply a layer of, I don't know, to me it's like just a, a breath. Instead of always trying to fix something, just letting it lie, even if it's momentarily. Yeah, and is it okay to say to someone, because I know I do it, like, yeah, man, this is scary, it's crazy. And I'm like, I have no idea when this is going to get better. Like, I have no idea how long it's going to take. And maybe this is what I shouldn't be doing, but I, also, I always say, like, but I just know it will. Like, I know it will. If the money market breaks the buck and if TD Bank and Wells Fargo Bank and all these other banks go out of business, like, there will be a solution at the end. It will be really horrible and crappy for God knows how long. But all we can do is look back historically and say, okay, in in the worst of times, like, how long has it been really bad? And what did it look like coming out of that? I don't know. How can you not feel better after that conversation? All right. I guess because if you're a doomer, Right. It never gets better. It never gets. It, it, it never gets better. Yeah, and then the other perspective on it is that reminding people that in the past ten years or so, where we've been in a like unprecedented bull market, right? Any dip or any pullback has been so short lived that, like historically, it's like incredibly unusual. So 
the the confidence that people had that any dip was going to just automatically be short, like like even COVID, that was yeah. Twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen was December. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty eighteen so, was a down year, and it was just December. Mm-hmm. So there have been. So now we're in an actual normal recovery, which is we're fifteen months in, which hasn't been the case for a long time. And um, some of them, I was looking at one. Two thousand seven hundred days it took to get back. That was in the late seventies. That was like the seventies miserable high inflation yeah. uh, time. Did you say seventies or twenty twenty three? Yeah, right. No, but uh, but I mean, I think that's the thing. Like people have to be reminded that this is normal. The fifteen yeah. month like yeah. down market is not unusual when you're having a, a pullback. Yeah, it's just not. And it, it could be another fifteen months. I don't know. Um, anyway, just to, I, maybe to wrap up, I think we, we had this conversation the other day and yeah. I, I think I was feeling like sometimes at, we, we, we might, you know, our message maybe can be massaged a little bit to be, we're using the word empathy and I think that's as close as we can get to what I'm, I'm talking about. Um, an acknowledgement that, um, that this is, that this is like, scary times for a lot of people and especially the people that are glued to the TV yeah. or on on social media and just following um, a storyline and getting confirmation bias every day all day long about what they already believe and and so that just makes it harder we can't just say don't worry about it 10 yeah. years from now you're gonna have way more money. yeah yeah that doesn't that's not gonna make anyone feel better tomorrow but I also think like to wrap up the wrap up to wrap up <laughs> like giving advice is hard yeah. Giving good advice is hard and dealing with human emotion is really, really difficult. I don't like, think people understand that part of our job. I, I and take I don't, it, I think and take it right. for granted. And I take it away right. for granted. <clears throat> and I'm not looking for pity like yep. <laughs> for the role that we play, not at all. It's just when things are good, things are good. When things aren't, everything changes. Yeah. And by things I mean obviously the market and people's money. Um, and there's, it's just difficult. All right. Want to talk about sleep? Sure. <laughs> Jeff, this is you, huh? I have some opinions about sleep. Okay. Good sleep for good health. Get the rest you need. This is an article um, in the National Institute of Health monthly newsletter. Um, I thought it was a lot of common sense stuff about sleep but probably some some decent reminders um it also highlighted the fact that people a lot of people have difficulties sleeping so what the article i think attempted to do was remind us why it's so important and then debunking some common myths how do you guys sleep at night are you good sleepers variable like way variable you're inconsistent yeah wait inconsistent do you mean like inconsistent like some nights you sleep well some nights you don't or inconsistent when you go and to sleep and when you wake up uh both okay (laughs) yeah both both yeah yeah we're talking we're not talking about your your afternoon naps meg we're talking about nighttime full night sleeps yeah. yeah um yeah i'm pretty inconsistent i mean for a really long time i've been like go to bed at 10 30 maybe fall asleep by 11 11 30 and then up at 2 30 Fall right back asleep, up at four thirty. Fall right back asleep, up at five thirty. Fall right back asleep. Just that—that that was fairly common. It's been better in the in the more recent 
peeing is a is a real speed bump you got to get over. Mm. Like I'll wait. Like so now, re more recently, I've been waking up at like call it either three thirty or five thirty, and like I gotta go to the bathroom, and I'm like just fall back asleep, and like you'll just go at six thirty when you wake up. <laughs> but then like I can't fall back asleep because I gotta like yeah. I gotta, so the urge pee. gets more and more and more. <laughs> I gotta face. So when so your water intake, do you cut it off early? I like in the I'd say in the last like couple months, I've been cognizant of not drinking water. Yeah. And then making sure like I I pee before I go to bed and then, like pee again and then if you can like pee again before you go to bed because that's the killer. Do you take water to bed with you? No, I don't. Okay. I don't. It's 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 gotten better recently and I don't I don't know. I, like I said, Meg recommended that I do like a half a milligram of like five milligrams, half of a ten milligram. Oh oh, half of a ten. Okay, so five milligrams yeah, yeah. of like a, a gummy, and I would take it like a half hour before I like lay down. And yeah, having like fall asleep at 1030, I'd wake up at 530. And that's like, I haven't done that in two decades, like two decades. I've been very like waking up every two or three hours for a really long time. And I am noticing now, like I didn't take it last night and I think I got up at 330, but that was because our freaking dog was like barking <laughs> at 330. Um, but I have been noticing, I feel better when I wake up, like getting five or six or seven hours straight it's like a game changer and i've been really tired for like two decades because <laughs> i wasn't getting that yeah and what like all these like uh what are they called like influencers or like these workout people or like these these um who's the the, the navy seal what the heck's his name uh david goggins like i don't like I just work out and I like I'll, I'll I'll beat anybody and like I I you don't need sleep like three hours of sleep I sleep for three hours and I work seventy five hours a week <laughs> and I work out twenty thousand hours a week like what are you talking about I mean I, know, I get he's a Navy SEAL and like for SEAL training like they you were sleep deprived but really you're gonna you're gonna die at like sixty man it's also not real life like most people yeah. don't exist in that world. For me, sleep is like the number one variable that when I don't get enough of it, I feel it probably more than I don't I don't know pick anything else. Um, I've always been a very good sleeper though. I sleep consistently through the night. I don't wake up. I've as I've gotten older, I've developed more of a routine trying to go to bed around the same time during the week at least, trying to wake up at the same time. I think that helps. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've also noticed that like things that didn't always bother me sound light now do. <laughs> so like it doesn't have to be perfect. Like I can still sleep in certain environments that maybe other people wouldn't. But like if I'm if I'm really really tired and I'm just I'm ready to sleep. Like we gotta shut everything's gotta be shut down. So you have like a very specific routine. Uh yeah, I would say I mean it's pretty simple, but it's specific. Yeah. So, like, I'm washing my face, brushing my teeth by, like, 9, 9.30. I'm getting in bed by, like, 9.30 and 10, and I'm, like, lights, phone, everything off by 10.30. You read a book or you just... Sometimes, yeah. You, you go from wash face, face, brush teeth to just lay down and shut the lights off, go to sleep. Mm -hmm. I don't have a TV in my room. Um, usually it's on my phone. Like, that's the thing I think more often. I've tried to... And it's... My reading is, like, very intermittent, but... If I read, that'll put me to sleep faster than being on my phone. If I'm on my phone, I have to tell myself, like, all right, 1030, shut it down. But 
I find myself like watching a show on my phone in bed and I find myself like falling asleep mm-hmm. watching a show like I would reading a book. Sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm chalking that up too. That's okay. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure someone will tell you it's not, but that seems right. reasonable too. I mean, I dim my phone really low, so it's not very bright. <laughs> you have a routine. So they have they, the article also, and I've heard this before. You, the it's a myth that you can catch up on sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So probably most people know that. Maybe that could be a fun fact, Jeff. <laughs> so, but sleep deprivation, like that, is legit serious stuff, man. That is like there's a reason they use that for torture. I mean, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um, you start to go crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really just kind of underscores how important it is. Like yeah. when you're when it's when it's forcibly taken from you or deliberately. Let's say, man, yeah, you go you go out of your mind. When I pledge my fraternity, like hell, yeah. week, like the whole fraternity pledging process, whether it was six to eight weeks, was around sleep deprivation. Uh-huh. But the last week, like you didn't sleep at all. There was always a brother up, and he would bug you. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we went crazy by the end of the week. Crazy. What about, what's your, t- so you mentioned naps. Um, you're a big nap. Meg, I think you're a, a nap fan, aren't you? I'm a huge nap fan. Like a 20-minute? No. If I don't have an hour, I'm not doing it. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so if I, ha- if I have a nap, or I fall, let's say it's a Saturday at like, you know, 3.30. Yeah. I'm... The, I'm the, like I can't I can't function well when I wake the up. Rest from of the that. day, rest of the night. It takes me like a long time to get like back, back in business. Like I don't. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. I, I mean, I don't know if it works for me because I experience some of that too. But I just really like sleeping, so like <laughs> I'm willing to put up with that. Maybe like grogginess, or if it means I can I can catch some extra Z's. Um, yeah, like if I if it's like oh you could take a quick 20 minute nap with the exception of like i don't know if i'm in a car or something like maybe that's different but if i'm gonna like take a nap i need to have probably an hour or so and i can fall asleep wake up and then kind of go about my day there's days where i'll like leave work at five go home take a nap get up eat dinner and then go about my nighttime routine (laughs) yeah i don't think i could that's just too late like i i mean i'll just muscle through and sleep whenever (laughs) now this I guess a question for each of you. Like, are you you wake up in the morning and you're going about your day and you're like, you know, I'm definitely gonna like nap later. Yeah, that's that's your approach. Yeah, yeah, no. I like I'm not a napper. I like like we'll use Saturday for example. I'll get up Saturday, maybe do some running around, do some other stuff. Three o'clock hits and my body's like, dude, you gotta lay down. And it comes out of nowhere and I'm like, all right, I'll like lay on my back on the couch, and I'll wake up like 15 minutes later. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Like, I've just been out for like three hours. I'm like, oh my God, it's only 15 minutes? All right, I'm ready to go. Supposedly, that's like the optimal. Yeah. Is it? Oh, our naps are not good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to like not reach your REM cycle if you can't devote X amount of hours. Right. And the 15, I think, to 30 minute window is typically pre REM. Okay. Um, I blow past it. <laughs> <laughs> Do not stop. And go. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I just anybody who tells me they struggle with sleep, I, I mean, I I couldn't imagine. And I just pray that like it doesn't get worse for me as I get older. I've had um, no personally. I melatonin or like a gummy. I just way too inconsistent, and too often I wake up just groggy for a mm. long time. Like it doesn't. 
it's not like you, Jeff, where you wake up and you're like, wow, that was, that was a great sleep. Tylenol PM, that never worked for me, none nah. of that stuff. I was, uh, I was shocked by, they mentioned in the article that as you get older, it's a myth that you need less sleep. You were they, shocked by that? Yeah, yeah, I thought like, I mean, and I'm just using like my grandparents as an example. Like my grandmom would go to bed at like midnight and I'd come downstairs like four in the morning and she was like awake and she functioned the entire day. Yeah, and like and, teenagers need like 14 hours. You know? Right. I think it's more that maybe as you get older, it's more difficult to sleep. Not that you need less Right, like I get it. up before my kids. I stay up after them. Yeah. I'm doing more stuff than them. doing, And it's like, I guess I just don't need as much sleep as them. And they sleep for like 10 hours straight. <laughs> Do you guys feel like there are certain, and I, we've spoken about some of them, but they, they mentioned like, I mean, obviously caffeine, alcohol. I find like, exercise like days when i work out 100 i sleep so much better 100%. like noticeably so yeah than days even if it's like i work out monday don't work out tuesday and work out wednesday my one, monday and wednesday sleeps are noticeably better than my tuesday i don't sleep. notice that no i do notice drinking causes crappy sleep oh it's the worst and i i and i do struggle with um verifying if it's the drinking <laughs> or if it's the fact that I stayed up till one right. thirty, and I think it's the fact that I stayed up till one thirty. No, I'm telling no. you because there's there's times where like I'm just up late and I'm not drinking, and I wake up or maybe I had like two or three beers and but we were up late. I wake up the next morning, I'm like I feel just as bad as if I had six or eight beers. It's the, the sleep, man. <laughs> it's not the booze. It's the sleep. I thought it was an interesting read. Yeah, I like talking about sleep. And people's sleep patterns and their routine. and It is interesting. Um, all right. We want to move on to the top five? Sure. Top five TV dads. And not movie dads. TV dads, right? Correct. Specifically. Yeah. Okay. Now, were we... I have a couple questions about it. Were we including, like, TV series? Like a... Like a Sopranos or a... Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. TV show. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then... What were your angles of the dads? Were they just like people, dads that you liked or people that you thought were like just good old-fashioned yeah, dads? The, f- the first one. Yeah. All right. Who wants to go first? Mine's probably the I'll worst. Go- oh, <laughs> the worst. Okay. I was going to say the same thing, but go ahead. Oh, well, mine's not good. Uh, I want Philip Drummond from Sil- um, not Silver Spoons. Um, different what- strokes. Different strokes. Yeah. Yeah. Never seen it. Uh, he was like the old, and I and I'm I'm using Phil because he was before his time, old white guy, like old white guy, <laughs> like probably pre boomer that adopted like <laughs> two um, African American kids, okay, and like just stuck up for them, like through all like everything. Arnold so, and Willis. Yeah, what, what you talking about, Willis? Like, yeah, Willis ended up in jail. <laughs> in I mean, the show or no? He's talking about in real life. Yeah, drug addict in jail. But in the show, he was he a great dad. He wasn't a great dad. <laughs> so he couldn't have been that great. <laughs> I had Fred Sanford just because I thought he was like yeah. the cool, like he would be like the coolest dad. I have Mr. Brady because he was just a good dad. All right. So you went Super completely good. different than yeah. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Okay. I have Mr. Costanza because he was just funny as shit. And I have Jay Pritchett because um, mm-hmm. I thought he was a cool dad. Jay Pritchett. He was Modern the family. Like, oh. grandfather. Oh, Ed O'Neill. Yeah. That, that, Al Bundy. Al Bundy. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. I, I don't know his name. Everybody knows him as Al Bundy. Yeah. Ed O'Neill is correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, is that, is that that's it. it. That's my five. 
Well, I'll go since I have Al Bundy on my list. At, like you have the character the Al Bundy. Al Bundy. Yeah. Okay. I got Archie Bunker. How can you not? Because he's a you blatant probably... racist. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> You don't see the humor in the, in the show. <laughs> um, Homer Simpson. Mm-hmm. Now, what There's makes just, him a good dad? He's not. He's, he's just a great he's TV a, dad. He's an yeah. iconic, yeah, TV iconic TV character. dad. Yeah. Um, man, I'm gonna go with a little off the board here. Johnny Rose, Eugene Levy from Schitt's Creek. You Dude. love Shit's Creek. Yeah, I, I work Shit's Creek in every time I can. That's um, a good one. And then I'm going to go Mickey Donovan from Ray Donovan. Ooh. John Voight's character. Okay. Yeah, that's a good character. Good call. Yeah. So looking at my list, most of these are just men I have crushes on. So Friday Night Lights is in there. Yeah. yeah Coach Taylor's obviously on here. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have Phil Dunphy. Yeah, I went back and forth with him. I so we're actually watching Modern Family right now, and Phil, in my opinion, makes the show. He is the weirdest, quirkiest, but yeah. funniest dude. Um, the rest of these are probably just not very good dads, but very good characters. So Logan Roy, I had him as my backup. Succession. Yeah, good one. Ooh, that's a good one. He is <sighs> badass dad. He's like kind of he's like very mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um John Dutton from Yellowstone. Okay. Yeah. He's Not like a good the one. Patriarch. Um and then I was I had a phase of like a big SBU fan, so Detective Stabler. <laughs> I never saw his storyline with his fa- with his kids is like so weird. Because like you know he's a dad, but they're very rarely parts of the show, but then they'll have like two or three episodes that are like so intense about his family. And then the rest of it is like, he doesn't even have kids. So it's just a very unique dad. What show character. is this? Law and Order SVU. Law and Order SVU. Mm-hmm. Wow, what are you like 85? Dude, this, I think the show's still making new episodes. Wow. Yeah, it's been on forever. So do you think we need to do an ode to TV moms at some point? Yeah, probably have to follow it up okay. shortly on um, another episode, though. <laughs> you good? Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks. See ya.